0: listener production Hey Rihanna Patrick here and welcome to the briefing. Cities all over the world are grappling with the housing crisis and Canada is no different. The Canadian government just banned foreigners from buying residential properties.
1: Whether you're the new Canadian president of Walmart or whether you're a student in engineering from another country, we are telling you that, you know, you can kind of visit but we don't want you to live here.
0: But is it the answer in making home ownership more affordable? Well, that's today's briefing. But first, headlines with Eleanor Harrison Dengate. It's Friday the 6th of January.
2: Russia has ordered a temporary ceasefire in Ukraine. The invading troops have been told to stop fighting for a day and a half to mark Orthodox Christmas.
0: Yeah, and it's the first truce like this in a now nearly 11-month-old war. Putin doesn't appear to have agreement from Ukraine, so it's not clear if hostilities will actually stop.
2: So Ukrainian officials have previously dismissed Russian peace moves, uh, saying that it's just Russia playing for time and trying to sort of regroup their forces. Uh, and I, I guess it's important to note that Putin is playing the good guy card to the Russian domestic population. So, it, in view of that, it's sort of important to, you know, observe Christmas and look like he's doing the right
0: thing. Yeah. And while the UN Chief Secretary General, Antonio Guterres, has welcomed the Ukraine truce, he has said that it doesn't replace a just peace. <laughs>
2: So that's the sound of mourners applauding the coffin of the late Pope Benedict XVI as it arrived at his funeral service. 50,000 people turned out to farewell the late pontiff who died last Saturday at 95.
0: Yeah, Benedict led the Catholic Church for fewer than eight years until he announced his retirement, which was because of ill health in 2013. And he was the first pope to resign in 600 years. His successor, Pope Francis, led the mass.
2: Holding fast to the Lord's last words and to the witness of his entire life, we too, as an ecclesiastical community, want to follow in his steps. We commend our brother into the hands of the Father. Sir Benedict will be buried in a crypt beneath St Peter's Basilica, where 90 of his predecessors also rest. And his death has been a real loss for Catholic conservatives because he really represented that more traditional church. But he's also got a bit of a controversial legacy, Rihanna.
0: Yeah, that legacy has very much been marred by the clergy sexual abuse scandal and and critics have accused him of seeking to protect the church at all costs, at the expense of victims. He did, however, lay the groundwork for the Holy See, which is the government to the Roman Catholic Church, um, to punish abusers. And as Cardinal and Pope, um, passed church legislation resulting in more than 800 priests being defrocked.
2: Yeah, but despite all that, our survivors still very much hold him responsible for the crisis and for failing to sanction any bishop who moved abusers around. And they sort of identify him as embodying that system that has protected the institution over victims.
0: An Australian woman who was one of the so-called ISIS brides that were repatriated from Syria has been charged with entering or remaining in an area controlled by the so-called Islamic State Group. Police allege 31-year-old Mariam Raad travelled to the region to join her husband and was aware of his activities with the terrorist group. So it's understood that he
2: was a high-level recruiter for the organisation and died there in 2018. Last October, Rad was one of four women and 13 children who were brought back to Australia. At the time, the four women released a statement saying they were willing to do whatever is asked of us by government authorities.
0: Yeah, so this arrest comes after a long-running investigation which started when she was still in Syria and police say new evidence led to this charge and if she's found guilty, she could spend up to 10 years in prison and it's believed there are around 40 Australian women and children that are still in Syria yet to be repatriated. So the federal government has said that there is no ongoing threat, while
2: Save the Children's also made an interesting statement Basically saying that Australia is showing it's possible to repatriate its citizens while also balancing those potential risks, and that it's better for these women who may have committed crimes to be charged and prosecuted in Australia, where we have a robust judicial and national security system.
0: COVID has hit our life expectancy rates, and the latest population numbers show we're living about five months shorter as a result, according to the Centre for Population report.
2: So at the moment, men are expected to live for 81.2 years and women for 85.3, although in the next decade that's meant to rise for men to hit 83.5, while for women it'll hit 87.
0: And, I mean, that same report also predicts Australia's population will reach just under 30 million in 2033. And there
2: was also some interesting statistics in it surrounding COVID, Rihanna.
0: Yeah, so nearly 79% of all Australian COVID deaths happened in the first eight months of 2022 as governments kind of lifted those restrictions and eased mask rules. And about 129,000 people died in Australia between January and August 2022, which is just over 13% more than died in the same period in 2021. And it's 17% more than the historical average. Briefly,
2: in other news, the flood crisis in the Kimberley is expected to last another week. A section of the Kimberley Highway has collapsed while roads to Broome and Derby have been cut
0: off. Yeah, Prince Harry is giving two exclusive interviews ahead of his book launch next Wednesday where he talks about the physical altercation he had with his brother. The National Library's free public digital archives, Trove, may be forced to close
2: without funding. The library says with just six months of funding left, it's facing very, very big decisions about the future of the free online resource, which receives more than 20 million hits a year.
0: It turns out our nursing homes are in jeopardy, with seven in 10 of them running at a loss. A new report is calling for more money from the government for the sector.
2: China's ban on Australian goods is showing the first signs of lifting with four major Chinese importers cleared to restart trade and buy our coal.
0: And a country practice star, Joan Sydney has passed away aged 83. Now, Sydney was best known for playing Wandan Valley Hospital's matron, Maggie Sloan, on the long running soap during the eighties and nineties. And she also was a part of the neighbours cast in the early 2000s, starring as Valda Sheargold. Sydney passed away peacefully last month at her Sydney home, Eleanor. She is an iconic figure, particularly as a watcher of a country practice. <laughs> So what
2: made her so iconic, Rihanna?
0: So when she was matron Maggie Sloan, she had a very particular hairstyle and that hairstyle kind of went along with the character of who she was. But I did see uh, another former star of A Country Practice saying that her co- she had this amazing comedic timing that made it look effortless, which just goes in a way to showing how good good an actor she was because she made it look easy. But yeah, I just think if you grew up during that period of the 80s and 90s, or if you were, you know, a Neighbours fan and you knew her work there, there was just something about her acting style. So yeah, iconic. Maggie Sloane has left the hospital. Yeah, it's a very sad loss. Thanks, Eleanor. Next, will a ban on foreigners buying residential properties in Canada be the answer to Australia's own housing crisis? US Supreme Court struck down the landmark Roe vs. Wade case. There was an 850% increase in Google searches for how to move to Canada, and that was only in the first hour of the decision. But a new two year ban on foreigners buying property in the country puts a dent in the plans of those Googling to leave the US and also for other non Canadians. The ban came into effect on January the 1st, but not everyone is keen on the changes or whether it will indeed help home affordability. Michael Bork is the CEO of the Canadian Real Estate Association. Thanks for joining the briefing, Michael. Why has Canada introduced this ban?
1: I think really it's um, a political gesture in response to the frustration that Canadians have that housing has become so unaffordable. Uh, especially uh, through the the past few years. As you know, all around the world, the price of houses went up uh, during the pandemic. And people are particularly frustrated here in Canada because of the shortage of homes. And um, politicians are just scrambling to try and find something to put in the window that will appease people. And so they came up with this idea of banning Foreigners from purchasing homes in Canada.
0: So, then, Michael, what's the reality then of home ownership in Canada? I mean, is there a problem of underused and vacant housing?
1: You know, there really isn't anymore because uh, different governments have put into place underused home taxes as well as foreign buyer taxes. So, that's really curbed the number of foreign buyers overall in the last few years, anyway. And uh, just to be clear, the position of our organization is we don't want people buying homes, you know, as an investment and leaving them empty. Uh, it was a problem uh, many years ago, where we saw in a in a city like Vancouver, for example, where condominiums were being purchased and left empty, kind of like big safety deposit boxes in the sky. And um, we don't want to see that because. it it takes away inventory from the housing market where we have a shortage of homes as it is and and we'd like to make those available. So governments responded to that by introducing taxes on underused properties. And uh, they also introduced foreign buyer taxes so that really, if you're going to move here and live here and work here, then you could purchase a home. Uh, But if you were going to live somewhere else and you just wanted it as an investment, then you were going to pay. So that really had an impact in uh, British Columbia. For example, in um, 2017, the rate of foreign ownership was about uh, 7-8%. This year, it's under 1%. And it hasn't been above 2% for a few years. So these policies were already working and there was no need to ban foreign buyers uh, as the federal government here has done starting January 1st of this year.
0: That's interesting, Michael, because in Australia here, I mean, we also have a bunch of rules around non-residents buying property. And I think it's about sort of 2 to 3% of new and established home sales are made up of, of foreign investment. But there was a survey that was done here last year by a university which found that 80% of Australians blamed foreign buyers for driving up housing prices. And I mean, you've just said that, that Canada has quite low levels of non-residents buying up housing stock. Where do you think the general population gets this idea from that that where
1: the problem lies you know I, I honestly don't know where the where that idea comes from but I can tell you that introducing laws like this reinforces that point of view which is simply not based in any kind of fact and so I think what it does is it feeds this um, you know prejudice that uh, that some people would would have and it also exacerbates, the frustration that people feel from not being able to access the housing market because as they've seen in, in New Zealand where they also have uh, you know and have, have had a foreign buyer ban for a few years, it doesn't work because if there aren't a great number of foreign people buying properties in the first place, when you introduce the ban and you let a few years go by, you see that the price of homes is not uh, going down. And so you're you're even more frustrated because the government has promised something that would work and it doesn't work.
0: Yeah, Michael, I mean, that's something that your association has been very open about, that it's not this, you know, Canada is seen as this welcoming place for all, but a ban like this is basically saying kind of don't come here.
1: Yeah, it really hurts our brand. You know, um, uh, successive governments over many, many years have invested heavily in uh, the Canadian brand as a multicultural open society that welcomes people from all around the world people are are often surprised when they come here at just how welcoming it is in fact i read a story this morning about a uh, afghan family who moved here the fellow was an interpreter for the canadian military in afghanistan he moved here He's an Uber driver in Toronto and he was uh, being interviewed about his experience and he said that he is just amazed at how much religious freedom there is in Canada where all of the different religions live here in harmony and that it's allowed. We are able to attract people from around the world, you know, whether they are experts in artificial intelligence or they're carpenters, we want to attract them because we need people, we need workers. We have a shortage of workers across the board, skilled workers in healthcare, in construction, in technology, and we're competing with other countries to attract these workers. And um, one of the things that we offer is this brand of being a multicultural, welcoming nation. And this policy goes against that. And so um, now we're saying well, come here and help us build homes. Uh, But by the way, you can't buy one. And this is a terrible message.
0: So, Michael, I mean, before you were saying that this really goes against that welcoming brand that Canada has built over decades. Uh, But, you know, what could that impact also be on Canada's economy in the long run, do you think?
1: Well, you know, I mentioned that there's a global competition for talent, and uh, this really hurts us because... You know, one of the impacts of this is in employee relocations. For example, if there's an employee in Seattle working for Microsoft and they get a promotion to Toronto and it's a person with a young family, they own a home in Seattle. The promotion means they'll probably be in Toronto for five years. They would obviously want to stay in the housing market, have a home for their, for their family. This law says you can't buy a home in that circumstance. And so that person probably would say, well, can I stay in Seattle or can you transfer me somewhere else? And there's other examples as well. For example, students, there is an exemption in this um, foreign buyers ban for students, but it's completely ridiculous. it, it, it As a student, you would have had to file a, a tax return for three years. You know, if you come from a another country, you probably haven't filed a tax return because you don't have any income here. And then there's a limit uh, on what you can purchase of $500,000. Well, this is a completely random number. There's no data to support this number of $500,000. And if you're trying to help affordability, why would you have an exemption for people who would purchase from zero to $500,000 Instead of having an exemption for, say, people that are purchasing things that are over $3 million because, you know, then you're not competing with with anybody on an affordability scale. So, you know, this is um, putting us in a bad competitive position because that student who might move here to go to school and probably their parents willing to buy them a condo, that person, once they've been here for a few years, you know, we're hoping they'll stay We're hoping they'll stay here and contribute to the economy, use what they've learned and be a Canadian citizen. But now we're discouraging them from staying here because we're telling them they can't buy a place to live, that rent. You know, this is on top of uh, a lot of, you know, again, through the pandemic, a lot of these students who would have been not allowed to enter the country and have to study remotely anyway. So now we're just making it worse because now that the pandemic is waning and people can now enter the country. They're finding that they, they can't purchase a piece of property unless they meet this very narrow criteria. So whether you're the new Canadian president of Walmart or whether you're a student in engineering from another country, we are telling you that, you know, you can kind of visit, but we don't want you to live here. And that's a very bad message and very bad policy from an economic standpoint.
0: Yeah, all valid points, Michael. And you're so, you're so right. Like I think as Australians, you know, we feel like Canadians are like us, very friendly, very welcoming, you know, that we have a lot in common and and you're absolutely right. It's, you know, it's just so complex in in the message that it's sending out and then what it's going to look like going forward if You're already, you know, like everybody else, looking for talent to stay, so, or talent to even come.
1: I'm aware of the uh, Australian policy, and I will say, um, you know, you have similar restrictions on foreign buyers, but one of the things that you've done, which I think is really smart, is that you are creating exemptions for uh, people who are going to build. So I believe in Australia that if you buy a piece of vacant land, for example, and you're going to build you know some housing units that you're exempt. And I, I think also you can buy an existing home and tear it down and build more units or at least add on to it. and then that would be, create an exemption and, and, and that's smart policy because you're saying, okay, well, you know we've got to have these restrictions, but we're going to exempt in the case of building more. So that's laudable. And again, we're not in favor of people just buying houses as investments and driving up the price and not living in them. We do think houses are for living in, but um, we're welcoming the goal this year is half a million new Canadians. And um, I'm sure uh, that uh, the dream of homeownership will be alive and well for a majority of those folks, and we should be encouraging them to be able to purchase uh, if they're going to live here.
0: Michael Bork there, CEO of the Canadian Real Estate Association, a really complex issue and one that we know Australia is still trying to also find the answer for, but it sounds like limitations on foreigners buying residential properties won't really make a dent with such small numbers buying properties, but I guess we'll have to wait and see what happens in Canada over the next two years. That's today's briefing. Tom is back on Monday and he's going to dig into the continuing rise of food prices and what effects labor shortages and supply issues will have on our budgets. Listener